do it now. Holy guacamole, it's Taco Tuesday, which can only mean one thing. Here's Spectrum 13 sports anchor, Luke Hetrick, on In The Zone. Pass the Pico! Luke Hetrick, TV superstar from Spectrum News 13, joining us on this very festive Taco Tuesday pre-holiday edition. This is our final show of the week before we set sail into a Thanksgiving weekend. Now, I would ask you what your big Thanksgiving Day plans are, Luke, but as I've come to learn, you're not the biggest Thanksgiving guy. So, uh, how do you? what's your view on this uh, festive day versus what you think the gen public thinks? Well, I think it's still a wonderful holiday. It deserves to be celebrated, and it's a great time. I always looked at it more as like the time for your friends or people you don't see as much or people you want to reconnect with. That's kind of how I always view Thanksgiving. I think it's a wonderful holiday. I think it's a great opportunity to see people you don't see and to be thankful for what you have and even give back in, in a lot of ways as well. It was just so beaten out of me celebrating thanksgiving as a child i don't mean like violently i had great parents but it <laughs> feels I, like I, it's going to be a therapy session right here yeah. strap in folks yeah so this all started when i was sick no what, what it was is when i played basketball we had a bobby knight style head coach that was practices all day three hour practices and they would give you off for thanksgiving and it was preseason. But then you had to come back for two a day, sometimes three a days the next day. So you're starting at like six o'clock in the morning, three hour practice. Go home, take a nap, come back at one for another practice. Then you're scrimmaging alumni at six o'clock at night. So you're just dead. So you can't even enjoy any holiday food because you're going to throw up the next day. They're going to run you ragged on the Wednesday before. So you're just sore and you can't even lift your arm to put food in your mouth or eat like 1500 calories. And then by the time black Friday rolls around, you're miserable. So that was always for Thanksgiving. It was like, this is just a day where I just sit and suffer into the couch. Christmas, a little bit different because you got two days off, but as an adult and someone who works in news and works the holidays a lot, I've come to have a better appreciation for Thanksgiving because I'm thankful for what I do. I actually really like working on Thanksgiving Day, because I know how lucky I am to be in this position. It's a dream job in a lot of ways. So at least I can work on that, give my coworkers the holiday off to go spend it with their family. And it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to find the uh, the bright side of the holiday for sure. No, then it's a very good outlook. And you were also, I saw, out covering um, some of that giving back that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Markel Fultz had his day of giving. What did you experience there, and what was, what was Markel doing? Yeah, Markel has done this now for the third year in a row. This year it was dubbed Thanksgiving. So he even, him and his family, upped the amount of meals they were giving out. It went from 300 last year to over 400 to families in the Eatonville area of Orlando. Markel has done this since he got to Orlando. He's ingrained himself in the community, and not just this once-a-year thing. He's always looking to do something to give back. And that's what I really came to appreciate about him and just talking to him and even his mother, Ebony, yesterday. This is not something where the magic came to him and said, hey, we do this every year. We want you to get your face out so you can be in the community. This isn't even something that Markel's mom said, hey, you know what would look really good is to do this. No, no, no. 
this is something that they've done for a very long time. Before any of the fame, before he was a number one pick, before being an NBA point guard, every holiday around this time, they were volunteering at food banks and homeless shelters, giving back to the community, and then just having it now, the fact that he is an NBA point guard, the fact that he is very well known in this area, uh, this has always been who he is. It's what they do on this holiday, and it's just something, anything he can do to give back uh, to the local community is something that he wants to do. So I really found it uh, a really cool thing for Mark Cowell and his family to do, and this is not phony, this is not fake, this is who they are. All right, that's very positive. Let's spin this conversation negative here, Luke. I have been highly critical of Gus Malzahn and this loss to Navy is it warranted? Are you with me? Should we be pointing our finger, not running Gus out the door, we're not there yet, but just in terms of, you know, who should be shouldering the blame for this loss? Your team not ready to go at 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't care that it's early. That's your job to get them ready. That's why they pay you the big bucks. And it just seemed like this team wasn't ready for that scheme. And it's the second year in a row that this has happened against Navy. So I have a hard time not looking at Gus Malzahn and saying, you know, that's you shoulder the blame for this loss, which was crippling to the season. You know, I, I agree with you, but I will give Gus credit. But it's always going to come back on him. I will still give him the credit where he sat there on Monday and he sat there throughout the week and said, look, we lost this game last year. Yes, we had a bunch of injuries. Yes, it was Mikey Keene's first start. It was on the road. We blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. But we got to be ready to go. I think a lot of us, and maybe even UCF themselves, went through that stretch of Cincinnati at home, at Memphis, at Tulane, and said, this is where this season is going to get defined. If you can get through that stretch, it's an easy slice the rest of the way. And they probably exhaled. And Gus has been telling them, and he told them after Cincinnati, you got to bring your lunch every week. It seemed like there was not the focus. It seemed like there was not the energy. Maybe you can blame the 11 a.m. start time, whatever, but you got to be ready to play. Navy was, and they did everything that they set out to do. They neutralized the pass game. They really did not allow John Rice Plumlee to get out on the perimeter before he was pulled uh, for the injury in the second half or at, at halftime. But Navy controlled the clock. They had the ball for over 39 minutes. They pretty much doubled up UCF in terms of time and possession. They did everything that they wanted to do, and UCF clearly was not ready to go. Gus knew the value of this game. He knew the challenge of it. But the fact that this team just clearly was not focused, was not ready, did not execute the way we've been accustomed to seeing them the last three weeks, then it's still on Gus Malzahn, yes. And it is pretty wild that there's a trend forming here is that UCF is dropping games where where they're favored. You know, in all of these games that they've lost this year, they've been the favorites going in. These have been the expected victories for the season, and they've been a favorite in a lot of games that they've played. But 16-point favorites against Navy, uh, five-point favorites against Louisville, five-and-a-half-point favorites against ECU. That's the perplexing thing with what I have termed Gus Ball is that you run really hot and maybe even knock off some opponents where it feels like there's a big game, big fight feel to it. It's those other games that seem to be causing the problem uh, with Gus Malzahn and this team. It's just, I have a feeling, because this is what happened at Auburn, just watching from afar, like this is what you're going to have to deal with as a UCF fan as this team rolls into the Big 12. I think it's a fair point. I looked at what they were pre-Gus Malzahn, especially the three years with Josh Heupel. They did some things very poorly. They were very undisciplined, always got a lot of penalties. The defense was not very good at all. 
But what they did was something really great, and they ran an incredibly tough offense to defend that was going to guarantee you a lot of points. I never thought they were a complete well-rounded program. They just did something that was so hard to stop and so tough to keep up with, it allowed them to have so many wins. And I think it masked a lot of the flaws of this program. Now you bring in someone like Gus Malzahn, who I do believe is a CEO who's building this thing back up the right way. And we're, we're prisoners of the moment. Last year, he caught fire late in the year. They had the 9-4 and four finish. They're rolling with momentum. But this is something, too, where they are just really solid in a lot of different spots. They have a great defense that is able to keep teams, you know, usually under 20 points. They've given up some points and yards here and there, but they're giving themselves a chance to win. But offensively, it does come down to quarterback play a lot of the time. I don't think the offensive line has been as good as we thought they would be. So I look at it and say, yeah, maybe it's Gus Malzahn, but maybe it's just the war of attrition catching up to this program. You're not going to blow out every single team. You're still Teams are figuring out how you're going to want to play, how to defend John Rice Plumley because now they have more tape on him as a starting quarterback long-term. So I think it's just figuring out how to play, how to adjust, how to do all that. And you're still very young as a program in Gus Malzahn's system. So I think that's going to be able to take a step forward here as they get into the Big 12. Now, what kind of transition is that? I don't really know. But I do think this is going to be a team, and I think this is a coach that is going to be able now to say, look, you got to be focused every week. You did it against Tulane and Memphis and Cincinnati when you had to against really good competition. You have to be able to do that against a Navy, against the USF, because this USF game the last couple of years has been weirdly close. Yeah, It was weird in 2020. It, it should not have been that close. They let the Bulls get back into that game. And last year, Timmy McLean, who's obviously now back at home in Orlando, has USF inside the 10 in the final play of the game. So they cannot sleepwalk anymore like they used to in 17, 18, 19, and just mow down teams, and those laws aren't going to affect them anymore. They are. And I think the teams in the American have caught up or have figured out how to play with them, have figured out how Gus Malzahn is going to run things, and now they have to be able to not only just adjust, but to refocus every single week. We're talking to Luke Hetrick from Spectrum News 13 on with us here a Tuesday pre-Thanksgiving show. One of the things I have said throughout the course of the season is that even though we are going to live moment by moment, and I am certainly doing this, consider me prisoner of the moment, uh, that we're in the weeds of the season and every game matters so much. At the end of the day, UCF is, it's not like they're losing their bid to the Big 12. And this year is, in some ways, a lost season because it kind of doesn't matter what happens. We're going to end up with that, uh, the men in black little, uh, the pen where you press the button and then your memories are erased. Because once you go into next year, next year, what happens in the Big 12 is all that's going to matter. Nobody remembers what happened before. UCF was in the American because that was the bigger league and that's what mattered moving forward. And I'll tell you, Luke, I've been watching a lot of Big 12 football over the years, but specifically this year, this is a really good football league. I cannot wait to see some of the games like TCU-Baylor. UCF's going to have games like that as soon as next year. It just makes me giddy thinking about it, no matter what the result of this season is. I think it's a great point. And I still think you look at this and say, hey, there's a, a good chance. They can not only play 
but win a conference title, which would be their fifth in 10 seasons. We can have the conversation. Is UCF the greatest program that American Athletic Conference football has ever seen? I mean, it's a legitimate discussion we could have because there is this exit coming out. But I look at it and say, what's going to happen when you make that next step? Is it going to be an immediate transition of success? You know, you take some teams and you look at recent history and you look at it in the last decade-ish, you take some teams that have made that jump from a group of five that have been the class of their conferences and have made the jump to a Power Five league. And there's two teams that I looked at that really stand out. And I'll let you figure out who they are. Their last three years combined in the group of five, they went 69-9 and and had two undefeated seasons. Their first three years combined in a Power Five conference, they were 41-34 and and had three combined losing seasons. Do you know who those teams are? How many were there again? Two? There are two teams. I think one is TCU. Is that right? be correct. Okay. be correct. And is the other, can you give me a conference affiliation for the other? I will say it's West Coast. Okay, West Coast. Um, damn. I'm failing to come with, up with a good one. It's not the West Coast Conference, but it's a conference it's, Southwest. It would be in the Pac-12, right? Correct. You're getting warmer. Oregon State. It would be TCU and Utah. Damn, Utah. I should have had that. And those two dominated the back half in the Mountain West Conference the last couple of years. They, they were fantastic. What they did, they both had a couple undefeated seasons. Um, TCU won a Rose Bowl. I believe Utah beat Alabama, Nick Saban, in his third year in the Sugar Bowl. But when you get to that new league, it is something where it's going to take some time. Mm. You have to get used to the style, how to recruit, the level of play it's going to be at. Now, a lot of people, if you want to get real nitty-gritty, you can say, hey, wasn't it year three for TCU in the Big 12 that they went 12-1 and and probably should have made the initial college football playoff? And you would be correct. But it has been a lot of up and down. It has taken them a significant amount of time to get to a level of consistency. Let's call it what it is. We don't know if TCU is going to be a consistent 10-win team moving forward in this league. Maybe they are. But that's the thing with this conference. It is going to be a war of attrition more than we've ever seen for UCF. They've put themselves in a fantastic position to have sustained success because they're in a hotbed area of recruiting where they are taking great advantage of it. They have an aggressive athletic department with great leadership, and all the momentum is trending in the right way. And I do believe Gus Malzahn is a top 25 coach in college football to get them to that level of play. But it's not going to be immediate success. It doesn't mean it can't be, but in this situation, you kind of look at past precedent and recent history to kind of base an expected standard in a new league. Very interesting perspective, and I appreciate that. Three quick things for, for you before we wrap up. Do you think the Gators have a shot to beat Florida State on Black Friday. Yes, because Florida, it's been very clear, it doesn't matter who it is, outside of Eastern Washington, they play to the level of their competition. That's what was so disappointing last week against um, Vanderbilt because the previous two weeks against Texas A&M and South Carolina, on paper, they were the better team, and they played like it. And last week, they laid an egg. But I still think in a rivalry game, they are good enough to play with Florida State, potentially beat them. I just don't think that's the case right now. How disappointing was that result yesterday for the United States going up against Wales? And they had an opportunity to walk out with three. They're in a really tough group Anytime that you have England to deal with. 
Uh, that's probably a loss coming up in a couple of days, but kind of in a must-win situation against Iran. So when you look at that draw, is that good enough for you, or do you find that disappointing? Well, I, I, it's disappointing in the sense of it's been eight years of waiting. It's been almost 3,000 days to get back to this point. Uh, the build-up, the branding, everything with so much momentum going in. You had a lead on a team with Gareth Bale, one of the best footballers in the world, a one nothing lead where you were the aggressor in the first half. You were doing everything you possibly could to control that game, and you were doing it. And in the second half, it wasn't so much that they took their foot off the gas. I think it was the adjustments that Wales was able to make to be able to get into better attacking positions, and it is cause for concern. Had they come back trailing 1-0 in that game and made it level, I think you feel much more optimistic going into Friday than you do right now. But it's disappointing. I think what it's going to come down to is goal differential against Iran. Because we saw what England did to them yesterday, plus four already, the only team with three points in the group on the table. If you beat England, it's huge for your success. Let's say it's a draw. It's all going to come down to what you do against Iran. And the last thing isn't a question. It's just a statement. Luke, I just want to let you know that we are thankful for you and everything that you bring to this show as uh, we inch ever closer to Thanksgiving. So thank you uh, for everything that you brought to In the Zone. We've had some incredible segments. We will continue to do so, but we appreciate your involvement and every single week joining us like clockwork. Hey, thank you guys so much for always having me on. I really appreciate it. This is always so much fun. I know the people of Orlando and in Central Florida might not always agree with what we're saying, but we want the same thing. We want to talk about teams that are successful here in Orlando and in the Central Florida area, and that's that's what we do, and that's what we love to do. And it is a joy to do this job, and it's an absolute pleasure coming on with you guys uh, once a week. Thank you. Appreciate you, Luke. Take it easy today. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Luke Hetrick, you can find him on Twitter at LH Sports TV and on your screen at Spectrum News 13. Up next, Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com with his thoughts on a trend gone sour in the NFL, plus a top five that is sure to wet your palate after this.